What is up, everybody? Welcome to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. So glad to be with you on this Thanksgiving weekend. I do it every single week when I'm talking to you. I give thanks for all that you guys do. So hopefully you guys had a great Thanksgiving and gave thanks for me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But we are live from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. But I am thankful for you. That I am not kidding about. But hopefully you all had a great Thanksgiving. Had a chance to sit down and watch some football or your Hallmark movie of choice. I did both. And I'm not joking. My wife is a huge Hallmark fan. So I watched a lot of football. I watched the I watched the first two games. I watched the Bears-Lions and watched the Cowboys and the Redskins. And... I didn't, I didn't really watch much of the Falcons Saints. I did watch a little bit of Mississippi State, no Miss, and then I got drilled in Uno by my daughter. I lost like five straight games. I, I don't know how you, how you lose Uno in five straight games. Well, I found a way. So I got, I got a streak. I got a streak of my own. The Texans got a streak. I got a streak. Mine's bad. Theirs is good. We're looking for eight in a row on Monday, and I almost hate even bringing that number up because it's not so much about the number in a row. It's just about being 1-0 after the weekend. And the weekend, in this case, includes Monday because it's Monday night football against the Tennessee Titans. Kickoff 7-15 local, 8-15 Eastern because that's what you'll see all weekend because you're watching ESPN. You'll see it pop up. It'll say 8-15, but that's Eastern. 7-15 Central. Looking forward to the Tennessee Titans coming in. We've got a little bit of news coming out of Nashville that we will get to in this segment but what do we have on the show today? Well, we're going to hear from Bill O'Brien in our hot reads in just a second. We're going to hear from Kaimi Fairbairn. He sat down with DP Sidhu for our Deep Slant interview of the week. We're also going to get my keys. I give you my first community credit union, first glance, keys to the game every single week. So I got them written down. They are in front of me. Been studying the Titans all week. Giving you the key. Now, look, when I say studying the Titans all week, that which is essentially that I've been studying him this week. Watch that Colts game. Watch it pretty in depth. But I've seen. I saw the Patriots game. I saw the Cowboys. A decent amount of the Cowboys game on Monday night. So I, I I've been studying these guys for a while. There's always that one team that you just you keep an eye on from afar, and the Titans have been that team for sure. And I don't I don't know. I I think some of it has to do with the fact that I. You know, a lot of pundits thought it was oh it's Tennessee's time. Tennessee's going to take over the division. A lot of people thought it was Jacksonville, but that, that at least had some merit. I mean, Jacksonville did some things in the playoffs last year. I mean, Tennessee got the win at Kansas City. I'll give them that, but I don't know. I, I just I, I just feel like Tennessee is one of those teams that gets a lot of hype. There are some names you recognize, but I just don't know ultimately how great a football team it is. But it does sound as if, and the news coming out of Nashville, is that it does look like Maris, Marcus Mariota will play. Not only play, he'll start. So we'll see how that goes, and we'll build that into our keys to the game later in the show. We'll also go with the men behind the mics. Usually do that on Wednesday, but i got to move to Friday, you know, maybe a Thanksgiving thing. But Mike Keith of the Tennessee Titans sat down with our own Mark Vandermeer, so we'll have that for you. I'll give you my picks straight up and against the spread. We'll review how I did on Thursday night, which I got two winners, but against the spread I was lousy. Thanks to the Redskins and actually Matt Stafford, if Stafford goes down and leads the Lions to a win, I would have hit that out of the park because I picked that as an upset. Then I picked the Cowboys to win, but the Redskins to get inside seven and a half points. It finished at eight. So thanks. 
And then I just I blew the Falcons Saints all along. I just thought the Falcons would I thought the Saints would win. I got that right. But I thought the Falcons would play a little bit better than they did. That's it's equal parts the Saints being as good as they are. I mean, Drew Brees throwing to four guys that you'd never even heard of and four touchdowns. I mean, they make one point nine million on the season, and Drew Brees makes one point six million a game. So there's that. But the Saints are just they're really good. And they're playing really well at this part. So you have my picks. And then the players segment we always close with on a Friday. We will get to know Julian Davenport. We will have player reporter sponsored by Arctic. And this week it has to do with which player's house would you rent on an Airbnb. So that's fun. And, of course, K-Jack, Kareem Jackson giving out T-shirts too. He's giving out a T-shirt, so you have to stick around to see who he gives one to on this one. And then our final word with Drew Doherty this week, it is Brennan Scarlett. So looking forward to hearing from Brennan. I think he's one of the one of the more unique guys on this team for a number of different reasons. But I love him. I think he has found a really nice niche and role in this team, and I think he is going to be a factor in everything this team does going forward in 2018 in particular. So we'll hear from Brennan Scarlett. The one guy that we are always going to hear from right off the top, though, we find out and we hear from in our Hot Reads. Hot Reads presented to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. And that would be the head coach of your Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien. Mark Vandermeer sat down with him earlier today. Coach, I know you want to run the football. What about game planning within the running game? Not all runs are created equal. How difficult is it to choose how you want to run the ball against this Titans defense? Yeah, that's a big, big deal. You know, that's... Uh... That's what makes this defense so hard to go against, you know, because you don't know, you know, what you're going to get personnel-wise and things like that. So, you know, we just have to do a good job of uh, adjusting during the game, making sure that, you know, our guys understand the game plan going in and then just being able to adjust it. How much is it looking at that first game tape versus what they've been doing lately overall, Tennessee? you got to look at the first game. You know, every every team develops over time during the season, but, uh, you know, that first game is definitely – information that you have to use uh, and then you have to really study what they've been doing lately but uh, you know it's important in the division to make sure that you 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 look at that first game to to have all the information that you can going into the game what makes them so good once you get past their front seven yeah they do a good job in the back end I mean Vaccaro and Bayard are playing really really well at safety they're very physical good tacklers very tough guys you know good football players uh and then, you know, the corner position uh, I think is very good. Adoree Jackson, uh, Logan Ryan, Malcolm Butler. I think, I think they're very strong on defense, and it's going to be a big challenge for us. All right, when you get ready for what they present to you offensively, you have to be ready for the unpredictable, right, because they kind of went to that last time. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, we, we've got to be ready for uh, – we've got to be very focused on Monday night, very alert. Uh, you, you know, they, they do a good job of scheming things up and, and we have to, you know, there's going to be something in there that, you know, maybe we didn't practice against or we didn't see and we have to make sure that we're playing uh, good fundamental football. Everybody's communicating well and, and stay on top of those things. You got another game with Carter as the return man and all phases of special teams. What are you looking at in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, I think special teams is big. I mean, it was obviously big in the first game. You know, they faked the punt for a touchdown on us and, you know, it was big. And so I think that uh, for us, you know, special teams is always important. I think our, our special teams units have improved over the year, and I think it's going to be real important on Monday night. When you have a primetime game, you have all day to wait before you play. How does that affect what you do on game day versus a noon start, for instance? Yeah, I think it's more about the players, making sure that the players are ready. I think for coaches, we're staying on our routine and, um, you know, maybe – 
making sure that we fine tune things and, and, uh, you, you know, get ready for, for the game. But I think for the players, you know, they need to get rest. They need to, uh, but you can't sleep all day. You know what I mean? You got to get them up. You got to meet with them and, uh, make sure they're eating properly and things like that and staying alert and, and just ready to go. I, I don't think they'll have any problem, you know, being ready to go on Monday night. I mean, uh, if there's blood pumping through your veins, you're going to be ready to go Monday night. It's Monday night football, and you're at home for the first time in a month. That's got to be special. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we, we get a chance to play in front of our fans, and uh, we really want to go out and play well against a very good team. And, uh, you know, our our fans are great. They're the best in the NFL. It's loud. It's a, it's a fantastic environment, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Coach, thanks a lot. Good luck. Thanks, Fanny. Let's get to our next hot read, and that is the injury report. Now, typically on Fridays, typically on Fridays, we have the status report. Out, doubtful, questionable. We have that. We find out who's in, all that kind of stuff. We usually get that on Friday, but it being a Monday night game, that report will not come out until Saturday. Got that? Until Saturday. That's when you'll find out. So when you're at home watching some college games on Saturday, that's when you will get the announcement of who's in, who's out, who's questionable. On the Titans side, it does appear that Marcus Mariota is going to be in. He did fully participate in practice on Friday, that being today. And it looks like he's going to practice tomorrow and uh, I guess whatever walkthrough they'd have on Sunday as well. And it does appear as if Marcus Mariota will start and play after the stinger that he suffered against the Indianapolis Colts last week. That's probably the biggest earth-shattering, but that's probably the biggest note from an injury report aspect going into this one. Now, on the Texan side, a lot of names, but no DMPs. So that's, that's at least good for the Texans. Nobody in the DMP category. But for your Texans, limited participants stay in practice, Kiki QT, DeAndre Hopkins, Dave, and Zach Cunningham. We kind of expected those guys. Duke Edgeford has been in there. Zach Fulton dealing with that shoulder. Sunil Kamete dealing with the ankle. And then J.J. Watt uh, dealing with a knee. Now, J.J.'s popped up on the injury report before. I think dealing with – I think it's a knees with both of them. So, he was a limited participant, but hopefully he's going to be good, ready to go. Full participants. Here's what I know – will be people very interested in. Aaron Colvin, full participant. Now, that does not mean that Aaron Colvin will be 100% ready to go on Monday night, but it is trending in that particular direction. So, Colvin, Julian Davenport, Andre Howe, Jonathan Joseph, Whitney Merciless, Brian Peters, they were all back as full participants in practice. Now, as it pertains to, I know we get the question about Deontay Foreman, and we get that each and every week on Cooler Talk. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what we could find out Friday night at eleven o'clock in the evening. We could find out on Sunday. We, we could find out more later about Deontay Foreman getting ready for the Tennessee Titans, but nothing as of this point. So he doesn't show up in injury report. Neither does Dylan Cole. We talked about that earlier in the week. Dylan Cole's 21-day window has been opened. He is ineligible to play this week against the Tennessee Titans, but he's eligible to play due to the timing of the IR rules. He is eligible to play next week against Cleveland. We'll see if he is then activated. And then if he is activated, obviously there's got to be a requisite move 
at that point, if you bring Dylan Cole back, then that means you've got to move somebody else off the roster. The same thing would go with Deontay Foreman. So the decision process for Cole is put off for another week, but the decision process for Foreman, that is still that is still ahead. So we'll see. Now, QT, Hopkins, I'd imagine those guys are going to stay limited participants all the way through. And there's no sense to even there's no sense to even uh, take them off it. Now, I think the bigger question on Monday night has to do with Sneo Calamete and Zach Fulton. Those two, whether they can come back. Now, we saw Zach come back to the field, saw Sunil come back to the field. So they were both on the sidelines in the second half. I don't know if either one of them could have come into the game at that point if something else had happened to those linemen. But the Texans were down to their final five, the final five they had on the field. And that was for a significant, significant period of time. So if Sunil and Zach are unable to go, then the Texans may have to they may have to do some things with the roster to make sure that they've got six or even seven. You want to, you'd like to go with seven, but that's where these this becomes huge, that Sunil and Zach would be able to go. Now, we don't know one way or the other, but having them available would give you Mance and Rankin as linemen six and seven, respectively. And going into the game, having seven ends up being huge. Now, the Titans last year, last time, I think they only had six, maybe. They only had six because both Luan and Conklin were out, and so was Dennis Kelly, the brother of Tim Kelly. He was in hospital sick. So I think they only had six active. So you'd like to go in with seven. I mean, eight's a luxury, but if you go with seven, you feel okay. So we'll keep an eye on Sunil and Zach this week, and hopefully we'll be able to get back. Uh, into the lineup, which will be which will be fantastic on Monday Night Football. Now, I mentioned Marcus Mariota back for the Titans. Taylor Luan missed practice today. He was sick. And Ben Jones has been dealing with his shoulder. He was limited today. So, not as if the Tennessee Titans offensive line is skating through unscathed. But that is definitely something that we will uh, keep our eyes on for sure. Taylor Luan being sick. Like I said, Dennis Kelly was sick last time. He missed that entire weekend and was still in the hospital after that game was over um, for the next couple of days, I think. And Ben Jones has been dealing with his shoulder for a little bit. I, I want to say that he left the game against Indianapolis. So uh, some definite things on both sides, keeping on, especially on both offensive lines. All right, we get back. It's time for our Deep Slant interview of the week. This week, it's Kaimi Fairbairn. And don't even ask me to say his middle name, his full name. I can't do it. Mark can. I can't. And Kaimi's okay with that. But he'll do it for DPC to do next right here on Texas All Access. Calling all Houston area teachers. You want to bring a little Texas football to your classroom? Then sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by Phillips. Toro's Math Drills. His video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Welcome back to the show. A post-Thanksgiving edition of All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Glad you are with me yet again. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. It's time for our Deep Slant interview of the week. Now, we had a little bit of a change, if you will. We had planned for one player for Deep Slant and then a little curveball, a little change-up, if you will, and we ended up with another. Kicker Kaimi Fairbairn, who knocked home a 54-yarder Last week against the Washington Redskins, the game winner sat down with our own Deepy Sidhu 
for our Deep Slant Interview of the Week. Deepy, take it away. All right, joining me today, Kaimi Fairbairn. Through Week 11, the leader in field goals made and attempted. You've done you've done a lot of kicking this year, Kaimi, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, we're winning games, so, you know, usually that goes hand-in-hand hand with kicking a lot. So, you know, hopefully we can keep this going. You've had a couple of really stressful situations where last-second field goals – uh, Kareem Jackson called the walk-off kick to win the game. I imagine that's got to be a pretty special feeling. Do you prepare any differently for those kicks than any of the other ones throughout the course of a game? No, actually, that's what's great about it. Those type of situations, I try to keep uh, everything the same. You know, um, try to go through my routine, my technique, and um, you know, treat it like I do in practice. You know, you try to put yourself in those um, heavy pressure situations during practice, um, kind of build to that, and then when it comes to the game time, you're ready. It seems like that's something Bill O'Brien practices a lot, situational football. How different does he make those situations for field goals for you guys? Yeah, um, I mean, he's he's been great for us, uh, for me, especially, you know, trying to trying to build that in the off season, just like being ready for those situations. And um, when it came to game time, um, it paid off. And then this year, it seems like there's a completely different attitude as far as special teams, especially with Brad Seeley and Tracy Smith. No doubt. The special teams have a little bit of a swagger, don't they? Yeah, it's actually very exciting. Um, fun to see. A lot of guys are pumped about special teams, and, um, you know, it's a big part of the game. And we got a great set of guys who, um, you know, put a lot of effort into it. Yeah, you got a lot of guys that you've added in the off season, and then new return man DeAndre Carter mm-hmm. joins the team. How easy or hard is it for a guy to come in? He came in before the bye week; nobody was even really here, yeah. and then he started in that game or played in that game against Washington. Returned a kickoff, returned a punt. Is it easier or harder for a kick returner to do that? Um, you know, with the guys we got blocking, uh, you know, it makes it easier on him. But, you know, what I always say is if you're good, you're good. So, um, and I think he's he's one of the good ones. So to put him back there, um, you know, with our blockers and our uh, our effort on special teams, I think we do really well together. I've heard that Brad Seeley and Tracy Smith sort of have like this yin and yang way of coaching. Like one's sort of, you know, Brad Seeley is like the older type. but they're, they're and, and Tracy's a little bit younger, but they've worked together for a long time. What, yeah. What are they both like, and, and how do they sort of divide up the responsibilities? Yeah, they're them? a great team. Um, I learned a lot from them so far, both of them. Um, and, you know, they bring different things to the game to for me mentally. Um, you know, they try to keep me sharp, um, and, you know, I've learned a lot from both of them. All right, on Monday night you guys faced Marcus Mariota, mm-hmm. likely with the Titans. You didn't face him the first time around. You and Marcus, you guys both obviously from Hawaii, right. but you've had a little bit of a relationship with him dating back to high school, right? Yeah, we uh, go back to soccer days. Um, we both played soccer together. Uh, we were always rivals, uh, believe it or not. Um, he was rival soccer team, uh, rival high school, so and then actually rival in college too, going to Oregon. I went to UCLA, so kind of interesting. Um, but he's he's a good guy. I'm looking forward to competing with him uh, again this this week. Soccer, football as well too, or just soccer? Fo- yeah, both, both. You, both. You guys both played football and soccer, mm-hmm. and then you decided to go the football route. Why is that? Um, well, probably just a reject soccer player. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we, I was a better football player. Yeah, that's how it goes sometimes. So, um, yeah, that's I, how it went. I would think the the guys from Hawaii, you guys keep in touch because it's not a big yeah. big group of 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 yeah of we players. try to. Um, you know, he's. He's got that Aloha spirit, you know, always, always kind, always, always giving back. And um, he's been great for Hawaii. And, uh, you know, I try, I try to keep in touch with him as much as I can. Do you have a lot of fans from Hawaii that reach out to you? Yeah, every now and then. We're, we're a close-knit community, uh, real family-oriented. So, uh, you know, I, I try to get, I try to get, stay in touch with as much as I can. 
Um, I know we've asked you this before, and Mark Vandermeer loves to say your full name. He's oh, the yeah. only one that can say it, so I'm going to make you say it okay. for me Here because I want to. I want to hear you say it. I know we have. I feel like he should say it in a call. <laughs> I don't think he's like worked up to it just yet. Um, it's John Christian Kaiminoi Aloa Mikaikioke Kumupa Fairbairn. Okay, and how often do you actually have to use your full name in anything? Very rarely. Yeah. Um, you know, at, now that it's kind of gotten out, I kind of have to say it a little more. <laughs> but That's um, your cool party trick is that yeah, you have to go out and say your name. Yeah, I apologize. Yeah, exactly. I cannot help myself. All right, Monday night game, primetime. Is it any different being playing in a primetime game? What do you remember of Monday night games growing up? Um, I'm, I mean, it's only game on, so uh, that's exciting. But, you know, it's, it's just routine for me. Um, being sharp mentally and going out there and taking care of business. Is there a particular job. game that you remember growing up? Um, I know I'm putting you on the spot. Well, I, I honestly, I remember kickers. Um, I always, ever since I started kicking, I always try and, you know, watch what they're doing. Um, you know, whenever they get a shot on the sideline, like how they're warming up. Um, you know, what's their what's their process to getting ready for a kick. Um, so, you know, I always watch, like, you know, Dan Bailey, uh, Adam Vinatieri, um, you know, Jason Elam. You know, he he went to University of Hawaii. So um, those kind of guys. Those are the that's, kickers that, you Yeah, that's watching. what I kind of pay attention to. I feel like when I was growing up, it was the same kicker for, like, 30 years. Like, know, Phil seems, Dawson, yeah, Adam Vinatieri. Like those guys were around it? for such a long time. Yeah. And now it seems like almost like a new generation of kickers is coming. And a lot of teams with the younger kickers taking yeah. over. Is it easier now, you think, with the way the rules are with kickoffs and such that? Mm -hmm. Or do you, you know, does it's it, a, it's does it affect It's actually a much? good balance of both um, old and new. Um, you know, there's three or four kickers that, you know, are older than 30, 39. So, um, you know, learning from those guys, they, there's, there's you know, there's more, um, you know, attention to detail, I guess. And, you know, just trying to learn from those guys and you know, start a new generation of kickers. It's pretty cool. It's kind of nice to have your same long snapper in place, though, right? With John oh, yeah. Weeks. I mean, uh, he's phenomenal at what he does. Yeah. Um, it's been great to learn from, you know, him. And uh, we had Shane here the past couple of years. Right. And, you know, all those guys, they – it, it helps a lot. It's 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 hard it's hard to replace. All right. So in in a normal week, I know we've had a couple of strange weeks: the short week and then the long week. Mm -hmm. But uh, now moving for the rest of the season, what what are, do you work on a different skill set every week? Do you sort of work on the same technique every week? I know this last week yeah. we, we we've talked a lot about the the technique and how the ball is right. spun, and you know what are some things that you work on and how do you determine what that's going to be week to week? Yeah, it's kind of like a work in progress. Um, throughout the season, you might find something you need to work on uh, that's different from where you were in the beginning of the year. Um, it's kind of like a golf swing. You know, you find one thing that works one week and you're like, okay, that feels good. And then maybe one week it's different. So um, it's constant critiquing, um, you know, always learning. That's what I try and do for every kick. Every kick is not a success or a failure, but rather learning, you know, what what I do right there, what I do wrong there type of deal. I feel like this year you've, you guys have been in so many different situations. I mean, that's normal for the NFL, but in Denver, obviously with the altitude. And mm -hmm. now you've got three straight home games, but then you've got some pretty cold games coming up. Mm -hmm. I know Bill has talked about how the game plan sort of changes with cold weather games. Yeah. Like you want to run the ball more right. and, and, and whatnot. How does it change for kickers? Kicking uh, it's going to be weather? interesting. Um, the, obviously the ball doesn't fly as far. Um, and then, you know, with uh, precipitation, like what what's that going, what's that like? So um, then New York and Philly, it'll be fun seeing what. Uh, you don't see, even know. It could be snowing. Exactly. You don't know what to expect. So 
um, just take it day by day, but we're going to focus on this week, and um, we're lucky to be home this week. I, sure. I think you should tell Bill that you need one of those snow-blowing snow machines, have a fake <laughs> snow practice, Yeah, situational. Oh, man. <laughs> I, that's why I enjoy being in Houston. You don't have to worry about that kind you of You really stuff. don't. Yeah. All right, good stuff. We enjoy you being here. Kaimi, stop by anytime. Kaimi yeah. Fairbairn on Texans Appreciate Radio. It. Thanks, Kaimi. The Hawaiian connection is pretty significant nowadays in college football. Yeah, obviously, in this one, we're going to have Marcus Mariota and Kaimi Fairbairn. At UCF right now, you got a guy by the name of McKenzie Milton who came from, I believe he's from Honolulu. So he's tearing it up with UCF. In fact, he now he missed a game or two, I believe. So he may not be up in the Heisman rankings, but he's got UCF undefeated and in, for the second straight year, and he's been the guy. So you got Tua Tungabailoa at Alabama. Boy, how awesome would that be if Alabama and UCF could meet a playoff? And I know it sounds sort of, no way, there's no chance. I'm not going to let UCF in. I could see a scenario. I could see a scenario where it could happen. Could. Could happen. I don't know if it will, but I think it could. Now, you need you need Alabama to beat Georgia. You would need – you probably would need Ohio State to beat Michigan and then Northwestern to beat Ohio State in successive weeks. I could see that happening. You would probably need Washington to beat Washington State. I, that could happen. I think you need UCF to win out, of course. And UCF will take on Memphis. Memphis ended up beating Houston, blew them out today at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, blew out the University of Houston. That'll put Memphis in the AAC championship game against UCF. But McKenzie Milton, Tua Tungavailoa, and Tua's brother, Talia, actually visited, was on an official visit at LSU the same night his brother was playing for Alabama against LSU in Baton Rouge. So, Ed Orgeron, he knows how to recruit. But Hawaiian connection is for real. Now, to his brother, Talia, actually, he and his family moved to Tuscaloosa when uh, Tua went to Alabama. So he's actually moved to Alabama, but it's a it's a Hawaiian connection. So you've got that going on right now in college football, and it's making its way into the NFL. Like we said, you've got Marcus Mariota, you've got Kaimi Fairbairn, so you got Plenty of representation, at least in this game coming up. Two of the 92 will be from the state of Hawaii. I don't know if I can do math really quickly. It's not, I don't know if that's a huge number, but for considering how small Hawaii is, I think it's a pretty significant number. No question about that. All right, when we get back, we're going to go through our first community credit union keys to the game. I got them for you. How the Texans going to get win number eight in a row? How are they going to be 1-0 after the weekend? I will break all that down for you next right here on Texans All Access. The Choose Fun Moment of the Week is brought to you by Carnival. Carnival, the official cruise line of the Houston Texans. Choose Fun. Hey, don't forget to enter for your chance to win a cruise every week if the Texans catch a touchdown. And our Choose Fun Moment from this last week. Now, I've played a couple of them during the week. But I feel like there are two moments, and they were big moments. One of them happened on first down. First down at the Redskins 36. McCoy in the gun. Peterson to his left. McCoy gets the snap. McCoy looking. McCoy in trouble, and he's sacked. J.J. Watt brings him down. And I think the other one happened on third down, and that would be here. McCoy in the gun on third and 10. McCoy getting ready to pass. Cloudy sacks him back at the 27-yard line. J.D. with the put down. Boy, those are two fun moments. I tell you, those were fun moments. That is from Carnival, the official cruise line of the Houston Texans. 
choose fun. All right, let's get into this one. By the way, welcome back to Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you this evening. And it's time for our first community credit union, first glance, keys to the game. How will the Texans do this on both sides of the ball? So where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? Well, I am going to start on the offensive side of the ball because, well, let's just start on the offensive side of the ball. So let's face the Tennessee defense. Now, it's a defense that right now is 11th in the league in stopping the run, 100 yards per game. They're ninth in the league in passing yards allowed, giving up 235. It's a total offense. They're ninth in the league, 335. Uh, they generated nine turnovers. You know a lot of the key pieces. This is a defense that we're very familiar with. Jarrell Casey, Wesley Woodyard, Brian Arakbo, and then the three corners, Dory Jackson, Logan, uh, Logan Ryan, and Malcolm Butler. I think another player to keep an eye on is going to end up being Harold Landry. That, to me, ends up being a really big focus in this game. Now, we'll see Landry. I, didn't, I don't remember seeing him all that much in the Colts game, but I know he had to be out there, especially with Luck throwing a football. So, Harold Landry is a key. He sat out week one against the Dolphins because of injury. When he came back in week two, he wasn't quite where you thought he might be, and that that was scary because he ended up playing pretty well in week two. Didn't play all 100% of plays and still won't play 100% of plays, but, man, he can rush the quarterback. Whoa, boy. He can rush the quarterback, and he'll be one of our keys here in just a second. So let's get to the keys on the offensive side of the ball. Now, number one is eliminate number 99. Now, if you just flipped on the radio at this particular moment, you hear you heard me say eliminate 99, you're like, oh, JJ, what? No, no, no. The Titans 99. Eliminate him. And by eliminate him, I just mean you've got to take Jarrell Casey out of the game. And what I mean by that is he cannot be a factor. Not, not injury, but he can't be a factor. He can ruin the game. And he's done it before. And he's done it against the Texans. He has ruined plays with his penetration. But the one thing that I noticed about the game against the Colts was the fact that Quentin Nelson, the first-round rookie from Indianapolis, really kept 99 in check. In fact, there were times where Nelson had him one-on-one and just swallowed him up, did nothing. And the Tennessee defense kind of fell in line with that, meaning they struggled. They struggled mightily when 99 was contained. So if you can eliminate the impact of Jarrell Casey, and I go back to the win last year, 57-14 win. Jarrell Casey didn't do a whole lot in that game. He was held in check. In large part because the Texans were throwing the ball, getting rid of the ball very quickly, but they were running. They were taking chunks of yards at times. And a lot of that was coming because Casey was getting tired and they were running right at him. And that took him out of the game. That took the Tennessee defense out of the game. So to me, the very first key has got to be eliminate the impact of 99 Jarrell Casey. Number two, you better know where the blitzers are coming from. You better know where they are in the field and where they're lined up, and you better know how to combat them because the Texans threw the ball and did whatever they really wanted to against the Titans in Nashville. In all honesty, go, go, look, at the, go look at the game film. Go look at the game film, and they threw the ball when they wanted to, but the only time really the Titans kind of held firm against the passing game was when they brought blitzes against Deshaun Watson in the offensive line. In particular, the nickel blitz. Logan Ryan came scot-free. He had a sack in that game, and, I mean, he, he just split guard tackle 
Didn't account for him. Didn't have enough bodies to account for him. He ended up getting a sack. You better know where the blitzers can come from and account for them. Deshaun's got to be upright and healthy in this one. And if you do see a blitzer coming, Deshaun's got to get rid of the football. But you better know where they are, where they can come from, because Dean Pease and Mike Vrabel, and I don't know, Dean Pease ends up being a factor in this. I don't know exactly where Dean Pease fits into this, whether he can come back, whether he can travel, whether he can be at the game. I don't know. So it might be Mike Vrabel calling the defense, maybe somebody else calling the defense. I don't know. But they're going to bring that nickel blitz. And if it's Vrabel, I go back to the Patriots game in 2017. One of the best things he did in that game was bring Marcus Gilchrist off the edge and almost ended the game with a fumble by Marcus Gilchrist. Couldn't come up with a fumble, ended up losing that game. I don't want to go into that. But Mike Vrabel will bring a similar blitz. So Dean Pease knows it. Mike Vrabel knows it. You better account for the blitzers. And it's not as if Tennessee just brings eight-man pressure and, like, zero coverage across the board. They're not going to do that. But they, they, bring four, they bring five and six intelligently. They'll, dr- they'll show you one side, two guys drop, two guys come. Zone blitz concepts, they'll do that all day. But you better know where the nickel blitzer is for sure. No doubt. Number three, Adoree Jackson had an interception in the first matchup. But the Colts really went after him with T.Y. Hilton. Now, T.Y. Hilton and DeAndre Hopkins, two different receivers. Kiki QT has got kind of the quickness and the speed of T.Y. Hilton, but he doesn't really have the experience. So it's a little different. You don't have, you don't have a T.Y. Hilton that you can spring on a Dory Jackson. You do have DeAndre Hopkins. But... I don't know if they'll match up with Dory Jackson on DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know if they'll want to do that. If they do, all day long. The point being, though, was that Jackson struggled in that game against the Colts. And as, as mentally fatigued as a player can be at this point of the year, if he gives one up early, that can get in his head, especially after last week. So I would test the Dory Jackson as early as possible. Test him, see where his confidence level is. His confidence level was high in that game after he had the interception against us. But test him. See where he is. He did not play extremely well against the Colts. Test him. Go at him. And then once you make a catch, bless him. Number four. I mentioned Harold Landry earlier, so I won't elaborate too much on this. But he is an issue. You've got to give help wherever 58 lines up. And Landry wants to go high. He wants to run around the edge bend it back, that's what you can't allow. So the tackles got to know if they've got help, that help has got to make sure it's forced back inside or underneath. What they don't want is Landry to just run around them and then work his way back. That's trouble. That's the guy that, that Deshaun can't see. But if you keep him in front and you force him to either spin back inside or work inside, you can then crater him down. Deshaun can then work out around him and make a play. But Harold Landry is a problem, a big problem. Key number five, last week for the Titans against the Colts, the inside linebackers, the cover linebackers, they would lose tight ends. And what I mean by that is the tight ends would chip. So the tight ends would help on the rushers. Jack Doyle had, had a big play early in the game. Second or third down, second and third long, and Doyle just slammed on the, the – uh, Defensive end, the rusher, and I can't remember who it was. Maybe Arakbo, just hammered him, and the inside linebacker dropped. And when he dropped, he didn't see anybody over there because Doyle was in the process of chipping. So he just dropped to the middle of the field. 
Well, Doyle chipped and then ran out to the flat. Andrew Luck was like, he's wide open. Just threw to him, 15-yard gain, first down. So when the tight ends chip and then they get out in the routes, those guys could be wide open. Wide open. And you're going to need the tight ends to chip. There's no question. The tight ends have got to chip. They've got to continue to improve doing that. That's, that's a tough thing to do at times. And the backs are going to have to do it too. The tight ends and backs can be a big factor in the passing game in this one. A big one. My last key is for the Titans, when you play the game down in tight, you play the game in the phone booth, if you will, they like that kind of game. Drag it down in a muck, the, the grit and the grind, eh, that's the Titans game. You spread them out a little bit, and they might have an issue. They had an issue with it last year when they were here. They had an issue with it in Nashville when we got them spread out and just made quick throws. They couldn't deal with it. Don't play the game in the phone booth. Spread them out. You got 53 yards of the field. Spread them out and see if they can handle it. I don't think they can. I don't think they can. Now, let's go to the other side of the ball. Titans, Texas defense, Titans offense. Now, I know you're thinking, oh, Mariota's playing, right? He's playing. Oh, we got to. We got to account for him. Yes and no. And we'll get to why. I think Mariota ends up being important in this game, but I think there are other I think there are other keys. Now, I don't know if I have these in, in the order that I would have put them in. I was just kind of rifling off some keys this morning as I as I finished up my article. Number one, this is pretty important, but disguises in the secondary have been very effective against the Titans. Third play of the game. Last year here, Marcus Mariota misread a coverage, overthrew Delaney Walker. He hit Dre Howell right in the hands. Huge interception. Right at the end of the first half, same thing. Dre hit Dre Howell right in the hands. The disguises threw him off. So got to use disguises against Marcus this week. That is a big, big factor. Number two, Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis worries me more than Derrick Henry, and I might live to regret that. But what the Titans just going on the past history – the game up in Nashville, and what I've seen lately, when Deion Lewis is bottled up, the Titans don't do a whole lot. But when Deion Lewis in screens, passes out of the backfield, running the football, when he is able to get loose and loose out in space, it's trouble for the defense, and it's great for the Titans' offense. That's why they had 28 against the Cowboys. That's why they had 34 against the Patriots. Deion Lewis is a key, and he must be bottled up. Must. The Colts held them to 32 total yards. 32 total yards. What was the score of that game? 38-10. I don't think that's any coincidence. You hold Deion Lewis in check, you got an opportunity. Key number three, win one-on-one matchups. I know that sounds simple, but in particular, the two tackles against the pass rushers. Taylor Luan on the left side, Jack Conklin on the right. Neither one of them played in last time's game, the game we played in Nashville. Neither one of them played. And what the Titans did as a result was not drop Blaine Gabbert back. But with Conklin and Luan back, they will try and drop back. They will try and get things. Now, they're not going to sit there and hold the football. That's not, that's not their MO. They're not going to have Marcus Mariota back in the pocket taking huge seven-step drops. But they will drop back more often because they do have Conklin and Luan. Watt, Merciless, Clowney have got to win those matchups. They must. If they don't, long day. Long day. Long day. They do everything else, but they can't win those matchups. Maybe not as long, but you got to be able to get to Marcus Mariota. Got to. Pressure in his face, 
was a big factor against the Colts. Now, he completed, I think, 10 of 13 or 11 of 13 passes. But he didn't have a ton of success throwing the ball down the field because there was also four sacks. So he dropped back 17 times, and they sacked him four. That's the Colts. The Texans got to win those one-on-one matchups. And if they don't, they're going to have to bring Tyra Matthews. They're going to have to bring Kareem Jackson. And they're not scared to do it, but I'd rather they didn't so they can have those guys in coverage, especially on a guy like our next key. Put the clamps on receiver Corey Davis. When Corey Davis was drafted number five, I was the only one in the building that saw that comment because he's a dude. And I actually projected in my mock draft Corey Davis going number five to Tennessee. They needed a wide receiver. I thought Davis was the best wide receiver in that group. And he's been the best receiver for the Titans, but he's not been at that consistent, oh my gosh, are you checking out what Corey Davis is doing level every single week? It flashes, it's good, but it's not over the top. He had a great game against the Eagles, but he hasn't gotten to that level again. But he can break out. He made plays in that game against the Texans. He's physical, he's strong, he can run after the catch, he can high point the football in 50-50 situations. He is a monster physically. He cannot take over the game. Cannot. And key number six. This one has to do with those edge defenders. And this is why winning one-on-one matchups end up being key because the flip side of that is they've also got to play the run. You know the Titans are going to run the football. They're absolutely going to run the football. They're going to want to run behind Taylor Luan in particular. The Texans' edge defenders gave up the outside a few times against the Redskins. Two times I can think of in which running backs started up inside, Adrian Peterson, and then bounced outside. And our edge defenders lost contain. That cannot happen. You let that happen, Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry are running downhill all day. All day, like Adrian Peterson, all day. Now, Peterson only ended up with 51 yards on 16 carries. But in key moments down inside the red zone, he checked inside, bounced out. The edge defenders have got to play that a lot more consistently than they did last week against the Washington Redskins. They've got to maintain that outside edge. So if they peek inside, they got to be able to work the hands back if the running back does bounce. They can't get caught. They can't just get pinned when they're peeking inside. All of them. All of them. They've got to play better and keep contained. Now, as it pertains to the rush, They've got to be smart about how they're, they're rushing Marcus Mariota. When they, when they get back there, they can't allow Marcus to have any kind of seam. And that's tough because a couple of our guys like to rush high and then work underneath and back, if that makes sense. So they've got to make sure that they are enveloping Marcus in the well. And as soon as they do that, he'll look at them. He will look at the rush. And when you do it, you got it. But it's a big game on the edge defenders, Watt Merciless Clowney, to rush intelligently and ferociously at the same time, if that makes sense, but also not lose contain in the run game. It's a big game for them on Monday night against the Titans. So there you have it. First community credit union, first glance. Keys to the game is brought to you by FCCU, the official credit union of the Houston Texans. Okay, coming up, some men behind the mics. Mike Keith, play-by-play man for the Tennessee Titans. This is with our own Mark Vandermeer next on Texans All Access. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to the second hour of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio right here at NRG Stadium. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And a lot going on here over the next few days. 
There is high school football like you wouldn't believe in this building over this weekend and next weekend too. So with all these home games we got coming up with the Titans on Monday and the Browns on Sunday and the Colts on Sunday, a lot of football because you have a ton of playoff games going on. Saw Huntsville hammer Manville earlier today. Huntsville's got a couple of dudes, man. Holy smokes. Those two defensive ends they've got. Holy cow. I got one going to Texas and one, I believe, that's a junior. Oh, man. They are really, really good for Huntsville. So other games that were taking place, uh, there were a ton. I think there are four of them going on. I'm not sure the one that's going on because I've been in the studio. I think the middle one ended. So I think there are four of them today and maybe three of them tomorrow or three of them today and four of them tomorrow. Either way, there's a lot of football going on. And then on uh, Sunday, nobody will be in here because the Texans will put, be putting the final touches on the field, on the stadium, all that kind of stuff, and then getting ready for Monday Night Football against the Titans. Remember, that is a 7-15 kick against Tennessee. And if you're on the Texans' side, you're going to see the Boogermobile, which you haven't been following Monday Night Football on any stories with Monday Night Football. The Boogermobile is he's basically got one of those rolling carts that you see but it's down a little bit. It's not as high up as the, the camera guys have, and that's where he watches the game from. So basically he watches the game from above the tops of the players. He's like 10 feet up in the air. So I guess I'm going to have to contend with that at some point. So that could be kind of interesting. But that's the first time Monday Night Football will have been in the building since they've gone to this new format with Booger down on the field. Apparently in – I can't remember where that was – but there was one game in which they put they they put this big television screen on the back so that the fans could watch the television screen and people were like no 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 that's not going that's not going to fly so they kind of reconfigured the machine and yes he'll be in the way so to speak but it's not as distracting and vision blocking if you will as it was weeks ago. I think the one in Buffalo they showed, it was like, oh, my gosh. The fans of Buffalo were none too pleased about that. But we'll see. Hopefully I, I don't run into him when he's on, on my sideline. But that's uh, the way it goes. Just got to deal. Man, last week in Washington, there were all kinds of people on the sidelines. I, I was having trouble finding a spot because I always try to stay with the line of scrimmage as much as I can to get a good view of what's going on. But when I got down in the far corner, you know, where, where Justin picked the ball off and where DeAndre scored in that end of the field, I was losing reception with our booth, so I could only go down so far. So, anyhow, I was condensed, and there were people, there were photographers all over the place. It was crazy. There were people on the sidelines before the game all the way around the field. I mean, it was nuts. It was like Oprah. It was like, you get a sideline pass, you get a sideline pass. I mean, it was all over the place. It was crazy. It was crazy. Our sideline's not that way. Our sidelines are kept in much better check, if you will. But Monday night, there'll be some people there. There'll be some photographers, so it'll be a little crowded, but won't bother me as long as the Texans walk out of there with a W. Now, the two men that will be calling the action for their respective teams caught up with each other today. Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Houston Texans, along with the longtime voice of the Tennessee Titans, Mike Keith. These two men do it twice every year. We also catch up with Mike at the Combine as well. He's a great guy, and he spent a few minutes with Mark to talk about the Titans coming off a tough loss last week to the Indianapolis Colts. Mike, we have to stop meeting like this. Second visit this season. Here we go. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. Really excited about Monday night and uh, excited to see what the final six weeks are going to hold. It has been uh, 
a crazy season for us and for the NFL. So let's roll. Yeah, I think it is kind of crazy for you because I look at the Titans and the general public outside of Nashville, not all of them, but some have left this team for dead a couple of times, and you, you resurrect yourselves, come out with amazing victories, beating the Eagles, beating the Patriots, my goodness. Cowboys on the road Monday night, that's looking better and better all the time as a as a strength of schedule type of victory. What do you make of this team overall, Mike? I don't know. That's a great question, Mark. That has been... The, the real story of the season is this team has had not lots of injuries, but they have had key injuries at tough moments. And that has sort of shown itself in different areas. The loss of Delaney Walker has been crippling because as you know, he's such a big part of what this team has done. And with the offensive changeover, I think they expected Delaney to be the bridge to get them through the big change. And when you lose a guy who catches five passes a game and never comes off the field and is a good blocker, you really have a hard time figuring out who the next go-to person is. So that's been a real challenge. Uh, The defense, for the most part, has been good, which is what we expected. We expected defense to carry this team. We have seen flashes of that Ram-style offense that Matt LaFleur has brought and and in those moments you have been if you're a Titans fan you've been very excited and then at other times we've seen a a team that gained 102 yards against Baltimore so I gotta be honest with you it it has really been hard to tell week to week went to Indianapolis last week and really thought okay you know gonna be ready to play a good game had a good week of practice and then you know the game wasn't even competitive so I, I don't know. I mean, your guess is probably as good as mine. Mike, against Indianapolis, how much of that performance, in your opinion, had to do with what was going on with Dean Pease and also Mariota's injury? Your thoughts on that? Probably not a lot on either front, to be honest with you, Mark. Uh, the, the Dean Pease situation where he has to leave the stadium with the medical problem in the first quarter, surely it was disconcerting. I, I think from the outside, from the inside, just looking at it, you have to say it kind of threw the ball club for a loop. I don't think it's the reason they didn't get any pressure on Andrew Luck, though. The the Mariota thing happened when they were already down 24 to nothing. So I don't really think you can cite either reason um, as being a, a big factor in what happened in the ballgame. Certainly significant. You can't dismiss either one. Um, neither's good. But I don't think it had anything to do with the final score. What went well against the Patriots? And I know they want to bottle that one up for every week's performance, but what is the Titans' best game, in your opinion, as far as the way they play? What did they do great in that game? Well, the final three quarters against Dallas and then the game against New England, for those seven quarters, you saw the formula for this ball club, and that is to be very multiple in the passing game, taking advantage of every weapon. And Mariota's distribution was much like a point guard on a good basketball team. He got the ball to tight ends, to backs. Corey Davis played well at wide receiver. They had a lot of things going offensively, and they were able to pile up the rushing attempts as well. Over 30 rushing attempts. Defensively, pressure, forcing opposing quarterbacks for the ball before they want to. Uh, not allowing them to stand back there and take the deep shots because they just don't have time, and then playing great defense in the red zone. 
those seven quarters of football, that's what the Titans really want to be, and that's what they want to look like. And then the four quarters at Indianapolis, unfortunately for Tennessee, they didn't have any of that. Mike, what do you observe in the Houston Texans as you get ready for this one? You saw them week two. You're getting ready for this game. What are you seeing in Houston? I've watched them play five games since we saw one another on September the 16th. And the the things that I see that jump out to me, first of all, Lamar Miller looks really good running the football. I think that's the underrated factor about the offense is they are getting good things in the running game. Uh, Watson, I loved Watson coming out of Clemson. I, I just think he's such a smart player. He's such a gamer. He makes things happen at the key moments. And for this offense, they make plays at the key moments when they have to make them. Obviously, having maybe the best receiver in the NFL in Hopkins allows them to do it. Uh, but that that is just so key. And then defensively, that front seven has really settled in. Clowney getting healthy. Watt may be the comeback player of the year and the defensive most valuable player of the league all in one. I think the secondary has played a lot better than what people thought they would, sort of having to retool a little bit. And the Reed kid, to me, is your Kevin Byard. We got Kevin Byard in the third round of the 2016 draft, really stole him. And I, I think you, you stole Justin Reed in this draft. I think he is a future if not a current star in this league, but he's just one of those big play people that you've got to have. I'm not surprised in the least. I mean, I know the seven straight wins after the 0-3 uh, is, you know, only been equaled one other time, but I'm not surprised this team is playing as well as they are because I think all the components were there. I liked Houston better in the preseason than I liked Jacksonville top to bottom. And I think Houston's playing up to its potential. To me, that's the key. And that's why Houston leads this division is of the four teams, the one team that's playing up to its potential right now is the Texans. Mike Keith, voice of the Titans, joining us. What about Indianapolis, though? They're on a roll. How good are they? How good can they be, Mike? They're really good. They're really, you know, when we were studying them leading up to it, and I, I'm, I'm no expert, listen, and I, I don't claim to be, but as I watched them play, I thought, man, this is, how did this team lose five games? And, you know, I was talking to the football people who really know, and they're like, no, they are playing great football right now. Um, and we saw it. I mean, it's back to the formula that you and I saw 10, 15 years ago, and that is the offense goes and does, and then the defense plays that zone concept where they have a bunch of fast people, but because they're ahead of you, they can, you know, they're they're not trying to stop every play. What they're trying to do is get a takeaway or, you know, trap you, get you off the field, make you kick a field goal. I mean, it's almost like Freeney and Mathis are back. Um, and wow. the, the quarterback is out of his mind right now. He, last week against us, he hit fourth and fifth receivers in progressions. He's just not making any mistakes. So Indianapolis is incredibly dangerous at this moment. Um, I, you know, they're, they're a team that could they go from – one and five to eleven and five. Yes, if they keep playing like they are, they have that ability right now. They are a scary, scary football team. Mike, always great to visit with you. I really look forward to seeing you Monday night. Thanks so much for the time. 
Hey, good to be with you, Mark. Thanks for having me on. It's always strange when Mark has these voices on. When I hear them, I just immediately flash back to all the NFL films that I've seen. And, of course, Mike Keith has been the play-by-play voice of the Tennessee Titans for eons. And, yes, that dates all the way back to the Music City Miracle. So that iconic call of his that has lasted all these years, I just hear his voice, and that's all, that's all I can think about is that Music City Miracle of Frank Whitecheck throwing it out to Kevin Dyson and then going the distance. And I always think about that when we go there. But big thanks to Mike Keith for joining us on the show today and giving us the insight on the Tennessee Titans, the 5-5 five and five Tennessee Titans, two games behind the Texans. And, boy, this is a big one on Monday night. All right, coming up, we've got a full slate of NFL weekends minus two teams. Now, three of those games took place on Thursday, but we've got the rest. So that means there are 12 games for the rest of the weekend, actually 11 if you don't count the Texans, because you know I'm going to roll with that. I'm picking the Texans to win and to cover. That's just what I'm going to do. I do not go against my heart and my head. But we got our Texans pick them coming up where I pick all games straight up and against the spreads. Good way to talk about the games, talk about the teams, and talk about what's going around going on around the NFL. We'll do that next right here on Texans Access. TGIF, yes, thank God it's football. And Friday, too. Welcome back to Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. And it's time to play Texans Pick'em. Hey, Texans fans, play Texans Pick'em, presented by Train. For a chance to win great weekly prizes like autographed items, Texans tickets, or even a cruise, download the Texans mobile app to play now. I've never been on a cruise. People tell me it's something I got to do before before I you know like kick the bucket and go. But I don't know. I don't know. I just like to hang out at the beach. I don't really know that I want to get in a big old boat and cruise. But I don't know. People that do it love it. And you have an opportunity to do that with our Texans Pick'em. Now, Texans Pick'em, I believe, is just straight up. You just pick winners. And we've got 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 11. We've got 12 games, which includes the Texans on Monday night. And you pick them straight up, and away you go. Now, I pick them both straight up and against the spread. That becomes important because of how I did on Thursday or how I didn't do. Which, by the way, Thursday, November 22nd, is a famous day in American history. And if you don't know why, then think of that city to the north in 1963. Then you'll figure it out. But it's also the day that my mother was born, so it's my mom's birthday. So, Mom, happy birthday. I did try and call you, but you didn't answer. I guess your pumpkin pie must have been pretty good and you were enjoying it and ignoring me. But either way, I, I was lousy against the spread over, the week, over Thursday. I picked Detroit. That was my upset. I thought Detroit was going to beat Chicago and get in at, at a minimum get inside the number of three and a half. And they were on their way to doing that. They were going to ugly that game up against Chicago yesterday. And then Matt Stafford throws an awful, awful, awful pick. Not one, but two. The first one goes to Eddie Jackson, who gives the Bears a 23-16 lead. And I'm like, it's okay. There's time. It's Matt Stafford. He'll bring him from behind. Take him on down. That's all we need. Just take him on down. That's that's all we need. Come on, Stafford. And he does. Takes him on down. Takes him on down. Throws a pick in the end zone to end it. I believe that was that wasn't Prince. That was uh, gosh, I can't remember now who made that pick. But either way, Bears come up with the interception in the end zone. 
Bears win 23-16. Bears now 8-3. Big Sunday night win against the Vikings. Even bigger win on the short week with Chase Daniel in at quarterback. I think Chase Daniel is one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league, and he showed it. Boy, he, he made some throws. Wow. So I missed that one. And then you got Washington went to Dallas, and I picked Washington to get inside the 7.5. I took the 7.5 points with Washington. But I said Dallas was going to win, which I was right. Dallas won by 8. Oh. And the Redskins, oh, I can't, I'm, I'm so mad. The Redskins had a chance. Cole McCoy threw to Jordan Reed. That would have given him a first down, and they could have gone to get the touchdown. Even if they didn't win, it would have been perfect. They get the touchdown. They missed the outside kick. They lose 31-28. Something like that. Nope. Had to kick a field goal and ended up losing 31-23 with a spread at 7.5. At least that's what I had. You might have an 8. I had 7.5. And then Atlanta. I just thought Atlanta would play better coming off uh, the loss of last week. I thought they would play better going against New Orleans. They did not. Atlanta had lost to the Cowboys. I thought, hey, you know, short week going on the road. You know, backs against the wall. Maybe they'll show up. They didn't show up. They didn't show up. They got four touchdowns to guys you'd never heard of. Guys you'd never heard of. New Orleans ends up winning 31-17. So I picked New Orleans to win, but I thought Atlanta would at least cover, but that didn't happen. So let's get to our games from this weekend. But before we do, give me my music, please. All right, let's get going. In a noon game on Sunday. Now, all these games you can watch because they're all taking place on Sunday. So it's great. San Francisco's 2-8 goes to Tampa Bay 3-7. Oh, my goodness. 5-15. At the outset of the year, had you looked at this game, you would have thought, this has got some NFC wildcard potential. James Winston versus Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not. It's Nick Mullins versus Jameis Winston. And it's been a a beaten up Jameis Winston. Not physically beaten up, but just tattered and torn all year long. But Tampa Bay's playing home. San Francisco's got a negative body clock game. They're playing this one at a 9 o'clock. Uh, I'm sorry, 10 o'clock, their body clock time. Tampa Bay's favorite by three and a half. Let's take Tampa Bay to win and cover that three and a half. Seattle, same situation, goes to Carolina. Now, Seattle's had the mini-buy, though. They played Thursday, last Thursday against Green Bay, got that win against Green Bay, and a big one. They get this one against Carolina, and Seattle is in a nice spot as it pertains to the wild card because they will have knocked off Green Bay. They will have knocked off Carolina. However, I don't think they're going to be able to do that to Carolina. I think Carolina is going to play much better than they've played the last couple of weeks. I think Carolina at 6-4 and four is going to get this win, and Carolina will cover that three-and-a-half-point spread. Then the Giants go to Philadelphia. Now, I don't think any team is out of the NFC East race. The Cowboys and Redskins are tied at 6-5. and five. The Giants are 3-7. and seven. A win to get the Giants to four and seven puts them two games behind the Eagles. Or I'm sorry, two games behind the leaders. Now, in all those NFC East teams that are going to play each other the rest of the year, and a win would be three in a row for the Giants. I don't think they get the win at Philadelphia. This feels very uglyish. This feels 23-20. This feels 17-13. This feels 16-14. All of those spreads are under six and a half. So I'm taking the Giants in the points, but I'm saying that Philadelphia wins this one close. Very close. In fact, closer than six and a half points. 
If the Giants win this thing, though, it gets really, really interesting in the NFC East. At that point, the Giants and the Eagles would be tied. I don't think that's going to come to fruition. I do think the Giants will play well. I do think it'll be sort of an ugly game. I think the Eagles will want it that way. But in the end, the Eagles will win. The Giants are going to cover. They're going to. I'm going to take those six and a half. Oakland goes to Baltimore. Now, Oakland got a second W last week. It was Arizona. But now they're going to Baltimore. And Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, 27 carries, 117 yards last week. And he threw for 150. That stat line, over 117 yards rushing, over 117 yards passing, has been done six other times in history. Colin Kaepernick did it three times. Uh, I can't remember. Somebody else did it twice, and somebody did it once. And Lamar Jackson did it once in his very first game. That's amazing. I think the Raiders are going to have all kinds of trouble with Lamar Jackson. I do think Lamar will struggle a little bit in the passing game, although he's definitely improved. I think he will struggle in the passing game, but I don't think the Raiders will have any answer. They're going to try to have an answer, but I don't think they have any answer for the run game. Baltimore's favored by 10.5. We're taking Baltimore to win and to cover at home over the lowly Raiders. And then Cleveland goes to Cincinnati, who now is an assistant coach by the name of Hugh Jackson. And Hugh Jackson was once the head coach of the Cleveland Browns earlier this year. So there's storylines in this one. I don't know if that matters. Cincinnati, though, is favored by three and a half at home. I don't love Cincinnati in this one, but I do think Cincinnati is better at this point overall. All around is better than Cleveland. So I'm going to give Cincinnati the win in the cover. Cincinnati is favored by three and a half, so let's take Cincinnati to win by more than three and a half. Jacksonville goes to Buffalo. Over the years, I would sort of poke fun at this game. Oh, man, it's Buffalo, it's Jacksonville, fourth-place teams. Well, last year I had to change that because these two met in the playoffs last year. In the wild-card playoff round they met this year, they're combined 3-14. and 14. The defensive wheels did not come completely off for Jacksonville. They intercepted Ben Roethlisberger three times. Jalen Ramsey had two of them. The defense played its guts out. They could not score against the Steelers last week. Had they done that, they would have done everybody in the AFC a favor. But they didn't. So I'm giving Buffalo the opportunity to win this game. I can't even believe I'm doing that. But I just feel like that was the last salvo last week. That was the last salvo against the Steelers. I think the Jaguars pack it in. I'm going with Buffalo, a three and a half point underdog, to cover that number. But the wheels aren't going to fall that far off. I'm going to take the Jaguars to win. But Buffalo to get inside the three and a half point number. New England goes to the Jets. Now, Brady's been sick this week, which I do not think is good news for the Jets. The Jets are nine-and-a-half-point underdogs. Gronk is back. Brady, when he is is coming off an injury or illness, if memory serves, he usually comes off of that with a vengeance. He's coming out of the bye week. I think New England does New England things in November. New England hammers the Jets. Hammers the Jets. This is going to be by, you could make that spread 19 and a half and they'd probably cover that. Arizona goes to the LA Chargers. Chargers got nipped last week by the Denver Broncos. Brandon McManus in the Chargers building. He had a last second field goal after missing one before the bye week against the Texans. That will not happen this week. Arizona will play hard, but the Chargers will make life miserable for them. I expect the Chargers to win and to cover 
the 12-and-a-half-point spread. Miami goes to Indianapolis. No Brock Osweiler this week, at least not to start. Ryan Tannehill will start. He threw in practice, if this tells you anything, he threw in practice for the first time at the beginning of the week, and after practice, Adam Gase says, you're the guy. <laughs> I don't know what that says. But Adam T- uh, Ryan Tannehill threw it just a little bit, and Gaze is like, yes, you're the guy. I do think Indianapolis wins, unfortunately. But I do think Miami will get inside that number. Had a good friend of mine a long time ago that said, when an NFL team wins by 28 one week, fade them the next. So I am fading Indianapolis, but I do think Indianapolis will win the game. Miami will get inside that 8.5-point number. Pittsburgh goes to Denver. Denver's a 3.5-point favorite. They got a big win. Now, Denver still, its playoff wildcard heart is still beating. There's no way that they can win a division. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Why? No, they, they can mathematically do it. They're not going to do it. Could they get a wild card? Yeah, potentially, they'd have to get this one. I do not think it happens. I think Pittsburgh goes out to Denver, struggles with the altitude a little bit. I think it's another ugly game in some sense for the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road. But the Steelers will pull through and will also cover that three and a half. Then Sunday night, Green Bay and Minnesota. Their seasons are on life support. Life support, baby. They've got nothing remaining. Lose this game and your Kirk Cousins, you're 5-5-1. Five, five and one. And you're getting paid a lot of money. To not go 5-5-1. Five, five Think about it. How many people out there had Jacksonville and Minnesota in a Super Bowl? Think about it. A lot of you did. There's a thought that both of them may not make the playoffs. Now, wild card with a win. Either way, a Green Bay win makes them both 5-5-1. Five, five but Green Bay would have the edge because the tie was between these two teams earlier this year. And then the win would go to Green Bay. If Minnesota wins, Minnesota gets the 6-4-1. They get a little help from Seattle. You know, it's something to keep an eye on whether they can stay in the wild card. But a loss, to Green, a loss from Green Bay puts the Packers at 4-6-1, and one, and the season's done. It's done. And that's why I'm going with Green Bay. Green Bay's going to win. They're going to cover that 3.5. I think Cousins will he'll make some plays in this game. But in the end, Aaron Rodgers got his back up against the wall. In a must-win situation, I will go with number 12 in this one. Aaron Rodgers gets the upset win and obviously the cover. So we're going with Green Bay in that one over Minnesota. Then you know what happens on Monday night. The Texans, according to my sheet right now, the Texans are four-and-a-half-point favorites. I don't know if that's changed. Let me look at my most recent one here. But four-and-a-half at home, which it's a decently salty number. That thing's up to seven. Oh, my gosh. Texans favored by seven. I don't know if that means people have. I know they were questioning whether Marcus Mariota is going to be ready or not, but seven-point favorites with Marcus in the lineup? Wow. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. So, there you go. That's Texans Pick'em presented by Train. And you want to do that and enter that at HoustonTexans.com or on the Texans mobile app. Chances to win autographed items. Texans tickets, or even a cruise. So a big thanks to Train for being part of Texans Pick'em. All right, our final segment of every week is our players segment. We devote that to time with the players. So we've got Get to Know with Julian Davenport. We got Player Reporter presented by Arctic with our good buddy Kareem Jackson. And we got the final word with Drew Doherty. This week it is Brennan Scarlett. All that next right here on Texans All Access.
We've got one final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and Southern reporter. So glad to be with you on this Friday evening. A lot of football going on, playoff football. So maybe you're out and about. Maybe you are got off work a little late on a Friday. Which, what are you doing during Thanksgiving if you're working late on a Friday? My goodness. Maybe you're off you know, going to a playoff game somewhere throughout the city. I know there were a lot of them today. I mentioned earlier, we had Huntsville and Manville. That started at noon. So I my senior year, we played Thanksgiving night over at Tully Stadium. We played Tomball. Then the next week, we played in the Dome. Last high school game over in the Dome. Every time I see the Dome, I think of that. Lost 10-7. to gummit. Yeah, still sticks with me. Almost 30 years, it still sticks with me. But either way, a lot of football going on this, this uh, weekend. So go on out and support your local high school's uh, depending on where games are, Pridgen or at NRG or Tully or out in Katy. I know they got a couple stadiums out there where they got games going on this weekend. So go on out and support your local high school. And if you don't get to high school football a lot, like I don't get to during the season, I love to go see playoff games. Love it. Love it. My favorite thing to do is always to, okay, which, do, what, which guys are the dudes on the field? I always love doing that. And the Huntsville game, I found two of them at defensive end right away right away. So you got that. All right, this final segment is always devoted to our players. We call it the Players Segment. You know, kind of like the Players Tribune. It's kind of our version. It's called the Players Segment. I named it as such. So if we want to change the name, yeah, just let me know. But it's our Players Segment. We always start it off with a little get-to-know with Drew Doherty. And this week, it's Julian Davenport. Did you get taller? I don't know. <laughs> no, I didn't. It's time to get to know Julian Davenport. It's brought to you by I.W. Marks. And Julian, think here. If your clothes had to be one color for the rest of your life, your shirt, your shoes, your pants, what color are you going to choose? Probably black. How come? I don't know. A lot of things in my wardrobe are black, so yeah. that's probably what I'll go with. One song you listen to the rest of your life, what's the song going to be? One song? Ooh. I mean, it'll definitely be J. Cole. Uh, he's yeah. my favorite artist. I'm probably have to go with J. Cole. Hello. How's it go? Hello. 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 <laughs> do you know how to sew? No, I do not. You know how to cook, though, right? Oh, yeah. What's no, your cook. What's your signature dish? What do you My do? signature dish, uh, I love seafood, so I cook it up, you know, with a little salmon, maybe throw some scallops and shrimp to complement that, and really? then some vegetables. Where'd you learn how to do that? Uh, growing up, you know, yeah. my mom, dad. Oh, gotcha. taught me well. Are you on the grill? Are you on the oven? The stove? All that? I can do it all. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. What's the sides that you're going to have with the, the salmon? Sides, you know, probably some broccoli, uh, maybe some brown rice. One day I may switch it up. Have some brown rice with some quinoa. You just brought up broccoli, and it's important that you did because your teammate, Senio Calamete, said if he could eliminate broccoli from the face of the earth, he would. <laughs> Unless you put ranch on it. What are your thoughts on that? I don't, I don't know. Unless you put ranch. Well, I ain't never heard of that. But <laughs> I wouldn't know about that. It's, you know, easiest go-to vegetable out there. Yeah, it's good and, for you, yeah, too. Good for you. You know, it doesn't taste bad. Yeah. So I don't know why you throw that away. What, uh, what are you going to chop top it off with dessert-wise? Dessert-wise, uh, I'm a pretty plain, you know, vanilla ice cream kind yeah. of guy. Or maybe like some sort of cheesecake. Okay. Not too fruity. It's good. Julione, great to get to know you. Thanks, thanks for having me. I'm telling you right now, you could take broccoli away from me, and I wouldn't care. I think I've had broccoli one time in my life. I was trying to prove a point. 
to my family that I could eat broccoli, and we were on a we were on a flight. It was me and my mom. I was me and my mom and my dad. We were flying somewhere, and I was like, "What's this? I'll eat broccoli," and I ate it. And I was just like, "Look how proud are you proud of me?" And then I was like, "Oh my god, that was terrible." So broccoli is definitely not, definitely not on my list. And then my wife will make it for Thanksgiving. She made she made a broccoli casserole, and the broccoli just oh, it just smells up the house. But yeah, whatever. But Julian likes it, so that's cool. Julian, we like you, so you like broccoli, so it's cool. So I'm not eating it. All right, it's time for Play Reporter. It's brought to you by Arctic, the official coolers and tumblers of the Houston Texans. Visit rticoolers.com. Arctic coolers, overbuilt, not overpriced. We, Drew Doherty and I, were out at Arctic last week. We had a remote out there, and that was really, that was really, really fun. Really fun. But K-Jack has a lot of fun every time you put a mic in his hand. This week, what player's house would you want to rent through Airbnb? Oh, boy. Buckle up. Let's go. And we're back. K-Jack TV. Shout out, Arctic. We got a special guest. New. Yeah, that's what they call me at Clemson. I don't like that Batman hat, but we're going to. It's all good. We'll see y'all at National Championship. Yes, sir. Whose house would be the best Airbnb? Your house. Your house. You've never been to my house. I know. But I heard it's nice. I heard you got a pretty nice house, Jack. I heard you got a nice pool in the back. You know, I heard you got a couple garages. Uh, you know, big flat screen TVs. So we're going with K-Jack house. Mm-hmm. Probably be your Next question. <laughs> oh, JJ. JJ's house? You want the Wisconsin home? You want the Houston home? Which one you want? Definitely JJ's. I've been there once, and we have a pool party there. That's, that's nice. You got a layout, huh? Nice. Hey, perfect, man. perfect setup. Hey, man, that what happened when you the mayor of the city, man. You, hey, you got a nice layout. Huh? Must be nice. He ain't never invited me over. That's some. <laughs> beep this word out. That's a bore. <laughs> Probably be my crib. I huh? got, crib? got yeah. two of them. Front house, back house. All right. Who would you want? Huh? Living. You living. That would happen when you get that big chicken, huh? Bless, man. Hey, I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad at you. Come on, come on. I can, I can look it up on Google, probably. Don't you Google while I stay. <laughs> My house ain't be no Airbnb. <laughs> All right, there you have it, world. Newt, KJAC TV. Shout out, Arctic. Oh, we got a T-shirt for you, Newt. You know, hey, you know we taking over, man. We know you worldwide, Newt, man. So we got a T-shirt for you. Put it on your gram. KJAC TV, baby, we out. I'm telling you, those T-shirts are the hottest thing going. Luckily, I got in on this early, so I got my, I got mine. So I'll definitely be sporting that very, very soon, no question. Now, a guy who is a frequent contributor to KJAC TV is our man Brennan Scarlett. And when it's final word with Drew Doherty timing around Thanksgiving, who do you go to? Yeah, you go to Scar. He's done a little bit of everything. Here's Brennan Scarlett with our final word with Drew Doherty. Scarlet Island. Mm. That's right. Brennan Scarlett joins us right now, outside linebacker for the Texans. You played a little bit of inside linebacker for the Texans. You've also been outstanding on special teams, but let's first start with the seven-game win streak. Defensively, how much is different with you guys over these last seven versus the first three? Is it a lot? Is it a little? Is it one of those kind of sliding scale type of things? Uh, I think it's just a matter of making the plays uh, when they're presented to us. We're doing a good job of taking the ball away. You know, we're stopping the run. 
Um, we're limiting X plays, you know, big plays put off by the offense. So, you know, I think it's a combination of all those things, but, you know, also the offense and special teams chipping in and just, you know, being a complimentary football team. Yeah, you brought up taking the ball away. I called you Scarlet Island there at the beginning because you get an interception, your first career interception on yeah. Sunday at Washington. Take us through that play. How important was it, not just for the team, but how important was it for you to make that happen? I mean, that was a it, it was a great play, obviously, for me and, and, and for the team. We had a great rush up front. The guys, they, uh, the D-line made Alex Smith start scrambling a little bit. You know he has some run skills, so obviously he knows that. We know that. You know, so I kind of, you know, inched to him like I was going to take him on the run. and I really had the back. Uh, so then he just flipped it to the back, stuck my hand out, and grabbed it. Wish I would have taken it for more than eight yards, but man, that's for the next That's for the next journey. Yeah, you know, progression, right? Progression. And as our good buddy John Harris pointed out before we did this interview, had you not made that play and had he caught the ball, there were no defensive backs inside the numbers. I mean, there would have been a lot of green grass for that like that guy had he caught it. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I made that play for sure. Yeah, and Tyron Matthew talks about touching leather. You know, when he gets a fumble recovery, when he gets an interception, that's touching leather. You've touched leather not just against the Redskins. You've done it a few times this season. You've been very opportunistic, very around the ball, so to speak. What's that been like for you? It's been great, you know, just uh, having the opportunity to be out there and just, you know, when the ball comes my ma- comes my way, just uh, making those plays. And, you know, we talk about that, doing your job, making the plays when they're there to be made. What's next for this defense? Because you face an offense in Tennessee that's different. You know, what we saw in week two, they did a lot of atypical things from what they've done the rest of the season, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. The biggest thing for us is we got to stop the run. You know, the talented backs, a solid O-line. So our biggest thing is just uh, playing sound, fundamental defense and uh, and getting after them. Played about half the snaps roughly defensively against the Redskins. You played about half the special team snaps there. This special teams unit has been lights out as far as starting field position when you, you guys kick off and when you punt, you're really putting the clamps down on these opposing teams. You've made market improvements across the board on special teams. What's different there? No, I think Seals and Trace have done a tremendous job, you know, putting us in a position to be successful. But I think on top of that, we just have a great group of guys, younger and older, of, of guys that are just embracing their roles and really competing and wanting to be the best special teams unit in the league and taking pride in and uh, and what we put out there, so I think that's I think that's the biggest thing. How nice is it to play at home? Oh man, uh, we got the best fans in the league. We know it's going to be rocking here, especially Monday night. So to to be coming home, you know, especially after winning seven straight, you know, it's big for us. We're we're excited to get this thing rolling. And how sweet is it? Because it's been a month. You had two road games. You had a bye in there as well. It's got to be nice after being away for so long, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's going to be it's going to be great to get back get back here uh, in the H-Town in front of our home fans. You just said H-Town. One of the things that's really cool about you is you wear into the games and from the games. You always wear some sort of like an Oilers hat from the 90s or <laughs> something else from the 90s. Yeah. What's the deal with that? And kind of explain a little bit about your sort of love for uh, Houston, the 90s, and old school, old school hat. Well, I've just fallen in love with the city of Houston first off. You know, when I'm out looking for some, some gear – you know, if I see a Rockets or an Astros or an Oilers cap or a shirt or sweatshirt, whatever, you know, I want to pick it up. And the whole kind of love for the old school stuff, I grew up watching a lot of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So a lot of inspiration from uh, from Will Smith and uh, and his gear back in that show. So I'll go thrift every now and again over uh, on Westheimer. I got a couple plugs on, on Instagram that kind of throw me a uh, – 
throw me some gear whenever they got it in my size. So yeah, I just try to keep things keep things fresh. You get anything <laughs> you want on, on Westheimer, by the way. <laughs> Brennan Scarlett, thanks so much for the time. Always good to talk with you, and best of luck against the Titans. Cool. I appreciate you having me. There you have it, folks. Brennan Scarlett with Drew Doherty. We call that the final word of Drew Doherty because, well, Drew's the last one to speak on a Friday with one of our players in our player segment. So get to know Julio Davenport, KJAC TV with Kareem Jackson, a.k.a. Player Reporter, brought to you by Arctic, and then Brennan Scarlett. So a little bit of everything for you in that final segment. And if you want more, go to HoustonTexans.com. And I would advise you to do that with KJAC TV in particular. Because the facial expressions that you get with any KJAC TV episode are well worth the price of admission. Well, well worth it. Sometimes from Kareem, sometimes from the other individuals. I remember <laughs> two weeks ago, when two weeks or last week, Kareem asked AJ Moore, the question of the day was, who would you let date your sister? What teammate would you let date your sister? And AJ Moore... <laughs> AJ's always got a smile on his face. And Kareem asked him that question. He just looked at him and just like, all serious, like, no one. I mean, it just the way that he turned it, Doc, the Kareem was absolutely fantastic. So you definitely want to check that out at HoustonTexas.com. Go to the mobile app and look up all the great stuff that we've got. We've got Telestrators up there that I've done. We've got Deep Slant interviews. If you missed the one earlier with Kaimi Fairbairn, we've got all kinds of stuff for you. So go check it out. And get up to speed before Monday. Monday night football. The last time the Texans played a Monday night football game at home. I don't know that I can re- – I don't – do I remember this? I don't remember playing on a Monday night at home. I can't remember. I, now, I could, be, I could be off a little bit, and I'm just not thinking of it. But I think of Sunday games, Sunday night games. I can't for the life of me think of a Monday night game. And to me, Monday night football, if you're my demographic – somewhere in your pools, then you know how important Monday Night Football is. And you know what you have to do on a national stage to get everybody to jump on board. Eight wins, be great. Eight and three, be fantastic. Want to know after the weekend, that would be awesome. Beating the Titans on Monday Night Football, that's the best part of all of it. That would be the best. We'll see you then, everybody. A big thanks to everybody that participated on the show, contributed to the show. I love you all. I love you guys for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you on Monday, everybody. And as always, go Texans.